The latest episode of Undisciplined is out today. It's our podcast created in collaboration with the African and African-American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas. Host Karee Banton is joined by her graduate assistant, Warrington Sabri, and University of Arkansas political science professor Nesha Baptiste to discuss the science of political science and the evolution of protests in America. Here's an excerpt from this latest episode. Well, Warrington, my scholar activist in training, are you excited for today's conversation? Absolutely, Dr. Banton. Listening to two of my beloved mentors talk politics and protests is definitely something that I'm excited and honored to be a part of. Right, sure. Yes, of course, right. I figured you'd enjoy the politics. Whoa, 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 whoa. wait, okay. wait, wait. Now we not nobody said I enjoy politics. Uh, well, uh, don't you have a master's in political science? Ah, you're doing what most people do when I tell them I study political science. I should have expected that from a historian. Oh, uh, what? Oh no! Oh no, sir! We're not <laughs> going to do that. We are not going to do that. Well, I mean, like you said, as I as you said, as I've completed my master's in political science, I feel that it is appropriate to say that as a denizen of the field. Oh, oh denizen. <laughs> Where are you getting these words? Whatever. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Whose mess is this? <laughs> as I was saying, as a denizen of the field, I feel that it would be inaccurate and insufficient to reduce the study to politics. What do you mean, politics? <laughs> what do y'all be doing over there in political science if you don't be enjoying politics? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Dr. Benton. I said that you did what most people do when I tell them I study political science, and that is forget about the science. Now, we are not the same as your biologies and chemistries, the quote-unquote hard sciences. And a big reason for that, I think, is because of the degree of variation in findings gathered from political science research. In other words, you can create scientific laws, gravity, motion, conservation of energy, But that is not quite the case with political science. That's because the state of nature, quote unquote, that the hard sciences examine in their research is not the nature that is studied by political scientists. In the very abstract, we study the nature of people and the interactions that they have amongst one another, but then place that in the context of power. So how people interact in order to gain and maintain power and the ways in which people interact as a result of presiding under said power. And so when I think of politics, as you say, I think of red, blue, CNN, Fox, warring sides, corrupt leaders, and rich white people. And Beyonce. (laughs) And LeBron James, sure. (laughs) So these are elements of political science, including the rich white people. But they overlook the theories, methodologies, empirical data, and social experiments that aim to fix everything that is wrong with politics. In other words, politics is a rigged game that only has one type of winner. Political science is a discipline that studies the state of people and their relations to and within institutions of power. The way they communicate and mobilize, their psychology, how they behave, how they engage. And we study political science, well, at least some of us do, not just to know the three branches of government and a bill is on Capitol Hill, but to reimagine in real time the structures, institutions, and systems of power in order to govern better, represent better, 
relate internationally better, choose better leaders, make laws better, distribute resources better, and ultimately, Dr. Benton, make people's lives better. Well, 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 talk that thing. <laughs> talk that thing, young buckaroo. You better defend your little discipline there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I sure will. But that is the reason that I'm excited for this episode. Not because we will talk politics, but for the jewels that will be dropped. And I can hopefully take these jewels with me on my journey towards making our systems work better for everyone. Today, we're joined by Dr. Neja Kofi Baptiste, a professor of political science at the University of Arkansas. Thank you, Dr. LeBanton and Warrington, for having me on your magnanimous podcast. I really appreciate you allowing me to join y'all. You know, you and Warrington have this in common, you know, political protests. Does it actually work? I want, I want you to tell me, because, you know, as someone who likes to bring the noise, you know, and bring the heat, um, does it actually work and does it have to be nonviolent? Does it work? <laughs> right? I think you as a historian and me as a historian as well, because as a black political scientist, we don't believe in just confining ourselves to politics, the political arena, the partisanship. We believe in using history, sociology, psychology, whatever is needed in order to understand the phenomenon, right? And protest and activism is inherent in being a black scholar, as you understand it, and as I understand it, and as I was trained. And I was trained that protest is, is just as important as voting, especially within the black community. Um, I say this all the time, voting is not enough. Activism is a must. <laughs> now, protest has been used. We're dealing with the actual political system. Again, like I said, when people say the system, right, they're not just saying any frivolous words, right? Within political science, there's something called systems theory by David Easton. You make demands on the system, and they are supposed to process it, and then policy is supposed to come out. But as uh, some scholars have argued, when we put black demands on the system, we deal with co-optation and neglect and oppression and domination. And so, as King said, a protest is the language of the unheard. And we have to just come to grips with the reality of it doesn't matter how we protest in the 21st century. Throughout history, it has always been seen as a threat to the American society. When King protested, he was arrested 15 times. I want that, I want that documented. 15 times, at least. He was seen as a rebel rouser and radical. Not the, not the sanitized, whitewashed, I have a dream content of character, not color of our skin, color, colorblind. Not the skin. huggable Martin Luther King. Not the dream king. I'm talking about the, the, the king that said in the very same speech, America has written a blank check with the Constitution and every time we go to cash that check, it comes back insufficient funds. That king, that king I'm talking about, the what do we go from here to chaos for a community? Is it too late, king? That's the one I, I like to quote. I think the, the argument is and the understanding of most people is that just like with methodology, there's one type of way to protest. There is no one type of way to, to protest. Even these uprisings that we saw in Ferguson and in Baltimore, where I'm actually from, that side of Baltimore, they are considered uprisings. 
what a riot looks like is what happened in 1868 in Wilmington, North Carolina, when white folks went in there and killed black folks simply because they had businesses and were millionaires. Or January 6th. Or January, all the way up until now. There's going to always be white pushback to black progress. And does it work? I think sometimes we got to understand what it is, what it is that we're trying to, to get, right? Because very often does our protest lead to policy outcomes. More than not, what it has led to is a shifting in the paradigm and the ideological orientation within the black community to let us understand that they can't change us, right? That we came together and we are strong and we are able to still do it. And it may take a long time, as King said, the more often the universe being, as long as a while, it being towards this. But nothing being without pressure. And you can't continue to use the same strategy with a system that is as sophisticated as the American white supremacy system. You can't use the same strategy because it will adapt to it. And so that's why Black Lives Matter and these new contemporary movements are so important, because they came up with non-traditional, non-conventional means of political protest. Because we were, we had already made the shift in 1972 from protest to politics, according to Bayard Rustin, who is considered the architect of the civil rights movement, the first black queer civil rights leader that nobody really talks about. Right? Mm-hmm. And Bayard Rustin said we, we, we were making a shift from protest to politics, which means that they no longer dealt with the grassroots, right? They only dealt with uh, the National Association for certain people, the advancement of certain people, right? They only cared about the middle class. and you know, getting jobs and such and such, there was nothing wrong with that. But the problem is the same issue that we were dealing with in 1965, and we're still dealing with in 2021. So I literally, I have my students do a critical analysis of the signs that's being held at a pro- Black Lives Matter protest and a protest that was done in 1964 and 65. The signs are identical. We want jobs. We want the inner police brutality. We want better education. How are we, and I had a white student once say, how are we still dealing with these issues in 2021? Because protesting incrementally works, right? The way that we do it, which is nonviolent, right? That's the way that we had adapted after King, which is nonviolent. But there was a way that we protested before King, before the Civil Rights Movement, before Ella Baker and Fannie Lou Hamer. The irony is that when we look at Stokely Carmichael, he, he shows us the split. Because when Stokely Carmichael goes from Stokely Carmichael to Kwame Teray, so, so Carl Michael was actually part of the civil rights movement. Then he became the part of the SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinated Committee, with um, Ella Baker, and then the Black Power Movement. And so when you affect, you, you see the evolutionary shifts. It's all about strategies, right? Protesting is really about strategy. Does it work? Sometimes. <laughs> Does it work? Sometimes. It doesn't produce everything we want? Absolutely not. Can we continue to do nonviolent tactics and think it's going to work? I think we learned with the last Black Lives Matter movement that the American system has adjusted to protesting. It doesn't have the same effect. The whole point of protesting was to appeal to the moral dilemma. Using Gandhi's strategy where you would line people up, one person would get injured by the police on camera, and then they'll put somebody else up and they get injured by the police on camera. They will beat them. Well, if now the system knows that if we just don't beat them, they don't get the same response. And even when we got to the point where they would tell protesters when to march, where to march, and what time, and how long they can march. That's not a protest to me. That's really just a fitness exercise, really, for the most part. Because the system is telling you where to go and what to do. And eventually, you have to use uh, methods that would, uh, would not traditionally be used. Um, and that's why 
the Black Panther Party was so radical. The Black Panther Party produced a 10-point plan about things that they wanted, and they helped create the Before and After School program, free lunch, various programs that the public schools use to this day. And the idea of self-defense was something that was created within the Black Power, the Black Nationalist Movement. You can hear more of this conversation in the full episode of Undisciplined, wherever you get your podcasts. Undisciplined is produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore.